0: Welcome to Broad Gauge Gossips, the podcast where you can learn about the faculty of the Department of Military History in the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or U.S. Government. Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Abel, and we're here today with Professor Dr. Bill Cout. Welcome. Thank you. So let's start off by talking a little bit about your educational background. Um, tell us where you did your studies and what subjects.
1: I got my doctorate from Ulster University in Newton Abbey in Northern Ireland, which is uh, in County Antrim, just outside of Belfast. And I studied under the late uh, Keith Jeffrey, who was known for World War I and Imperial Studies. And my thesis examined uh, counter logistics operations by the IRA uh, against British uh, counterinsurgent forces during the Irish War of Independence from roughly about 1911 to 1922.
0: Okay, and what about your um, degrees before that? Where did you study and what did you study?
1: Well, my undergrad was from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And there I studied under Jeffrey Parker and John Lynn. And then I went on to Ohio State where I studied under the late Joe Gilmartin and uh, Al Millette.
0: Okay, uh, tell us a little bit about your military background.
1: Just after finishing my master's, I went into the Air Force, became an intelligence officer, and was sent to the sunny climes of Omaha, Nebraska, to work in strategic command, where I studied the Transcaucasus, Central Asia, and then on to, uh, the, at that time, the brand-new Russian Federation.
0: Okay, um, and, and how did you get to CGSC from academic background plus Air Force?
1: Well, from Omaha, I went to the Air Force Academy and taught there for three years and got bit by the teaching bug. Went down to Texas after that and was medically discharged in 2002. Uh, At that point, I had already started studying uh, for my doctorate and taught at St. Philip's College in San Antonio. At the time, the only HBCU that is also an HSI. And then the positions here opened up, and I interviewed. And just after the my first semester at St. Phillips, the money ran out there, and there was money here, so <laughs> they moved me up. And I've been here ever since.
0: Okay, yeah, and, and you are now one of our uh, senior instructors. Um, in addition to the core and AOC classes that the instructors here teach, what else do you teach for CGSC?
1: I teach. The Alpha 221, which is for us now, 222, which is our thesis seminar. And I usually teach that with uh, John Hosler. The two of us are a great team uh, for the uh, seminar students. We're able to tease out uh, various uh, aspects of their writing and their research together. And uh, I find that actually greatly rewarding, although it is a bit of work. And the other class that I teach is the Alpha 632, which is the Irish Revolution, I guess is the best way to put it. Its actual title right now is uh, British Counterinsurgency and Irish Insurgency in the Irish
0: Revolution. And so we're talking Irish Revolution. This is the early 20th century when, when Ireland is achieving its independence. Yes. Yes. Okay, um, let's tease apart some of these different elements of things you talked about. So starting with your teaching, um, how do you focus this Ireland class? Because obviously Ireland has lots of history, in particular Americans love Irish history. So, so how do you focus it kind of for the military audience?
1: Well, I first start with trying to understand the history that led to that point, which, as you might imagine, takes a little bit Uh trying to distill 800 years of Irish grievance into a lesson it takes a little bit of uh, uh, manipulation, if you will, in a good way. But we try to examine all sides, and I think that's got to do primarily with my own background since in my family, on my mother's side, I've got lots of American rebels uh, during the American uh, Revolution, uh, I think 11 of them and so I, I, I understand this desire to run your own affairs. But at the, on the other hand, I grew up in a military family in a time when uh, various and sundry terrorist groups were attacking and uh, so Badr-Meinhof was still a thing when, when I was a young child and so there was always that element in the background when I was growing up. And of course, at the same time, my family's been here for about 400 years And in that sense, I understand that, uh, for example, the Northern Irish Protestants want their own form of independence and freedom from what they see as a potential oppressive uh, Irish regime. And I kind of understand where they're coming from as well. And so by presenting this multi-sided, multi-religious, multi-ethnic conflict, it... Uh, it helps the students in many respects understand what the army has gone through over the past 20 years In fact, I've had students tell me that Ireland is makes Iraq look simple
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's certainly a, a way to look at it um, We of course have international students here So how how is this received by the Republic of Ireland officers and the UK officers? Some of whom might be from Northern Ireland.
1: Oh, yeah, I've, I've had several and in most respects, what they're, what they're really interested in is either to get the background that they have not received or they want to see, well, how do the Americans approach this? And my reputation as a scholar in Ireland is one of uh, great neutrality. And I, I guard my neutrality. Of course, I have opinions, but I try to limit its influence on my work. and with that reputation. I'm slightly proud of that, uh, because it means that my, my own biases aren't showing through as much. And so what I try to present to the students is, in this instance, Ireland is probably the best documented insurgency in history, in that the Irish uh, Republicans kept literally tens of thousands of pages of documents, which are now available. And then the interviews that were done and uh, pension claims and so forth over the next 30 years afterward provide an immense amount of information that we just don't have of any other insurgency. And so we get to see inside a lot more than is normal, while on the other side we have the British documents which allow us to see what they were thinking or at least what they were telling themselves. Right. And so in this sense I simply try to give the students the basic framework and then present them with the documents and allow them to look at the original sources and to tease out well what is going on. And what do you think, you know, what's appropriate here and why why are the British not succeeding or are they succeeding? because the outcome of that conflict is not as clear as nationalists on all sides would like uh, to suggest. And so it gives the, oppor- the opportunity to dive into those documents, but at the same time to exercise the critical thinking that we're trying to teach mm-hmm. on a topic that is mildly interesting to the officers.
0: Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, you. You've had a, a great deal of experience, and, and you study a great number of things, including, as you mentioned, under some of the great European historians. So let's let's, let's unmask a bias here. Uh, <laughs> one of the trends in historiography is increasingly to look at Ireland as a colony, as a colony of the British, um, and, and some would argue the first colony. So where where do you fall in that debate, and do you find that debate useful?
1: The debate is useful, but my where I fall in that discussion is sort of in the middle, uh, perhaps neutral. (laughs) And the reason for that is the issue of ethnicity and who is and who is not Irish. What I describe to my students and anybody else who listens is that Ireland's in 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 a cultural sense The Irish are masters at absorbing the foreigner. It's not just welcoming the foreigner, it's absorbing them. So when you look at Dublin, which was a Viking city, you say, well, where are the Vikings? And the answer is, all around you. Mm -hmm. They were simply absorbed into the Irish culture. And the Anglo-Normans, when they arrived, within a generation, they were absorbed. And so the question is what is Irish and the greatest trouble in Northern Ireland is the failure of the ethnic groups that came in and there were multiple ethnic groups that came in over time and uh, there is a failure of the Irish to absorb them now is that an Irish failure or is that uh, the ethnic groups failure or is there was there an unwillingness on both sides and the problem is there are things that we can study that are safe to say, and there are things we cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, genetic st- tests in Northern Ireland had largely stopped in the early 2000s because it was politically dangerous to tell a person who saw him or herself as being Scottish and actually said, Well, actually, you're mostly Irish, mm-hmm. uh, mostly native to this island. Uh, because it didn't meet with their nationalistic and ethnic narrative. And there, to my knowledge, there was only, I caught a show, actually, where the presenter was given the result of his DNA test. And he was literally, you could see he was actually visibly disturbed by the result. Mm-hmm. That he wasn't quite what the family always thought.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we have a similar version of that in America with with uh, family traditions of, of First Nations heritage that turns out is not there. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, so pulling on that thread again, um, you've had the opportunity to study under three of the great 20th century early modernists. Um, John Lynn, Jeffrey Parker, and, and Joe Gilmartin, as you said. Um, so as an early modernist, I'm required to ask you, where did you go bad? How did you end up in modern history? <laughs>
1: A lot of it has to do with the fact that I have uh, extremely broad interests. Uh, like my musical taste, my historical taste, or my research or academic taste is wide and varied. I would study everything and anything if I had time and ability, but I don't. And so the decision to go down the Irish path came when I was in, at Ohio State. And I, I wanted to do something on insurgency. Uh, and I also wanted, I was mildly interested in Ireland. And as I started looking at Ireland, I became more and more interested. And the two came together. And Joe Gilmartin basically looked at me and said, OK. <laughs> and it launched from there. I have to say I was advised not to take it too far, uh, but it's worked for me at this point.
0: Yeah, certainly no shame in that. Uh, So a question that I think a lot of people might have when they see you, when they run into you in our hallways, uh, you are often seen wearing a Maltese cross. So could you explain that? Yes, yes.
1: I am a member of the Sovereign Military Hospitaller Order of Malta which is the fourth oldest religious order of the Catholic Church and in the sense of my membership is very similar to a third order Franciscan or a uh, Jesuit tertiary. Uh, I am a lay member uh, living in the open uh, only under simple promises rather than the professed vows although we do have Uh, members of the order who are fully professed as uh, having taken the monastic vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Uh, And our function, as it has been for the past 950 years, is to defend the faith, which largely comes through education, and to serve our lords, the poor and the sick and having spent a lot of time uh, in hospitals, that touches my heart. So we work a lot with the poor and we do our best for those who are sick. And right now, I'm proud to say that we are sending tens of millions of dollars to Ukraine through our brothers in primarily Poland, but also in Slovakia and a couple of other countries where we have uh, representation.
0: Okay. Very interesting. Dr. Kapp, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Please be sure to check out our other podcast, A Confused Heap of Facts, where we sit down with military historians from the Department of Military History and special guests to talk about topics in military history.